Good morning. Um, it's great to be here this morning. Um, very excited to be speaking and sharing um, in Elijah's absence. I know you're not used to seeing me behind this little stand here. I'm much more comfortable behind a guitar, but um, I'm excited. And I feel that God's um, put some stuff on my heart to share with you this morning. Um, and I just love the songs that we've just sung because um, they're really tying with what I've been speaking about. You know, Christ alone, cornerstone. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. And that's what all our faith is based upon, isn't it? That's, you know, Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives. And he's everything. He's why we're here this morning. Um, so we're continuing with our series, Stories of Hope, today. Um, we've heard about Jesus, the advocate from Teresa. We've heard about Jesus, the healer, and Jesus, the companion. Um, and the main focus of all of these messages have been the hope that we have in Jesus. That despite our circumstances, and even in the midst of our circumstances, we have a God who is alive and active and makes a difference to every part of our being, as well as causing us to have a hope for the future. So I'm going to be sharing some thoughts today around Jesus the Rescuer. And as I've already shared, this to me is um, pretty all-encompassing of what our faith is. It's, what, um, it's the reason Jesus came and it's everything that our faith is based upon. And um, I'm sure all of us know some amazing stories of rescue where Jesus stepped in and transformed um, a person or a situation. I'm sure that's true for most of us here, that Jesus brought us out of situations that seemed impossible, out of um, dark places and brought us into his light. And um, I'm just excited to be able to unpack some of this this morning. Um, as I've been preparing, I was reminded of the story of the Chilean miners back in 2010. Does anyone remember that story of that amazing rescue? Um, who knew that there was a miracle behind that story? Yes, I'm going to be touching on that a bit later on. I'm going to come back to that. But um, there's many stories of rescue in the Bible. I'm sure we all know um, the stories. We've got Daniel in the lion's den. He was um, miraculously saved from the power of the lion's mouths. And we've got Rahab, um, who was a prostitute, and she um, helped the spies. And she went from, from a life of prostitution to, a, to following, um, following God and being part of his family and being part of the family tree of Jesus eventually, which is just an amazing story of rescue for her. We've got the demon-possessed man who was set free from the many, many d demons that held him captive that just encompassed every part of his being physically and mentally. And he was totally set free from that when he met with Jesus. And his, his um, life was totally transformed. Um, it's clear to me that God, and in particular Jesus, is in the rescuing business. Throughout the whole Bible, we see stories of redemption and transformation. We see how those who meet Jesus go away transformed. And it's the same for us today. We have that same access to Jesus today. And I'm sure that we all have our own stories of transformation from when Jesus met us and saved us. But we know as well that we live in a world where there is hopelessness, there's death, there's confusion. You know, we see this all around us. We see this in the lives of our family and friends. We see it in the news. We see it maybe even in our own lives where there's things that don't seem to match up with, you know, God's, God's glory and God's light. But Jesus came into the world to rescue us, and he gives us everything that we need to overcome the hopelessness and the evil in the world. This is his ultimate mission on earth, and it's the basis of the gospel. It's the basis, basis of what we believe. It reminds, um, reminded me of the, you know, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is why Jesus came. This is why he came to rescue us. 
But what exactly has he come to rescue us from? I want to unpack a little bit of this this morning. So we read in Galatians 1 verse 4, it tells us that Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. That sounds quite deep, doesn't it? <laughs> but, um, but I'm going to unpack a little bit of what this means. And this, when he came, it was a spiritual transaction. What he did on the cross was a spiritual transaction. As Teresa spoke about a few weeks ago, you know, Jesus stepped in our place. Um, we have a new nature in Christ and have been made right with God because of what he did on the cross. We no longer have to live as the world lives. We've been made aware of our sin. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the strength and the power to turn away from that and to live with Jesus. And as I said, the world is fallen and without Jesus, we have no hope for the future. But Jesus tells us that no one can come to the Father except through me. And we know that because before Jesus came, there was a separation from God. You know, we didn't have direct access to God. God chose certain prophets, you know, in the Old Testament to speak through, to um, bring direction to his people. But, you know, the general, you and I, would not have had that access to God. And there wasn't hope for everyone. If you weren't one of God's chosen people, one of the Jews, and you didn't have access to God, you could seek forgiveness from God by giving sacrifices and hoping that God would forgive you. And the high priest would stand in our place and offer sacrifices on our behalf and hope that, hope that you know, we'd be forgiven. But it, it wasn't sure. There was no surety about it. You know, we didn't have that, that trust and that knowledge that we are fully saved. But Jesus overcame all of this when he died on the cross. He's our great high priest, and he now presents us as righteous before God. And one of my favorite parts of the story of Jesus' death and resurrection is the story of the tearing of the temple, in the, in, te- tearing of the curtain in the temple. Um, I'm sure many of you know about the, temp- the curtain, but it was a huge, heavy um, piece of cloth that hung right down the middle of the temple, which separated God's holy of holy places. You know, no one could enter that place because that's where the Ark of the Covenant was, that's where God's presence was, and none of us, you know, no one was, um, you know, good enough to enter that place. You would have probably fallen down dead. <laughs> um, but, and only the high priest could enter that place. And then only once a year after he had put on special clothes, had a, a wash, burnt incense to cover, for the smoke would cover his eyes so that he didn't directly view um, the Ark of the Covenant where God's presence was. And then he had to bring a sacrificial blood sacrifice with him. You know, God tells us in Leviticus that he would only appear in the most holy place. And that was the most holy place. That was a physical barrier between man and God. But it states in Matthew 27 verse 51 that at the same moment that Jesus cried out on the cross and gave up his spirit, that the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The physical barrier had been taken away and has been taken away forever. I just think that's amazing. <laughs> because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have direct access to God. And that's just, that's everything, isn't it? I don't know why I'm crying. Well, I do, it's amazing, isn't it? It's so good. <laughs> and God's really been just been so good to me this week in, in sharing his, his thoughts and bringing um, oh, thanks Jen. yeah, need tissues um, anyway, we know that we have the victory in Jesus because of what he did and we stand on this 
but we live in the tension of the now and the not yet. As Teresa spoke about a few weeks ago, you know, there's, there's, at the minute we're living in these two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the world and there's the kingdom of God. We're seeing God's kingdom breaking through, but until Jesus comes again, the devil is allowed to roam. There is still brokenness, there's still sickness, and there's still death. But one day this will not be. But until then, we are called, as Jesus did, to usher in the kingdom of God to where we are right now. And that's how we can partner with God at this time. And, you know, we know that God is on a mission to reconcile all things to him, to rescue all people from sin and its consequences. And he's come to usher people from the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of light. And he states in Revelation, behold, I'm making all things new. You know, he said that um, through the vision that John had in Revelation, behold, I'm making all things new. It's it's a, it's a hope for the future. That is what he's, that's what he's doing now. That's what is going to be brought to fruition when he comes again. So as I said, we've got the kingdom of God, which is in heaven. But Jesus ushered it into the earth when he came. And one day this will be a physical thing that happens when Jesus comes again and, and it's all brought to fruition. But we are living in the tension of being in the world where Satan does have dominion, but he doesn't have the victory. And the kingdom of darkness will eventually disappear when Jesus returns and the kingdom of God will come in its entirety and will fill the whole world and bring everything back to him the way he intended it to be. And at this time, we know that Satan will be judged and all who are moving along with him will be judged. We know that Jesus has won. And who wants to spend their lives living in a kingdom that's going to go? You know, we want to be in that kingdom that's going to last forever with Jesus. So we need to play the long game. Even as we face difficulties and pressures in the world, we hold on to the hope of the future that we have in him and what he's going to bring when he comes again. So how do we live in this tension? How do we live in the now but the not yet? And we know that Jesus sent his spirit to us to empower us, that the spirit of God is alive in us. And we, all we need to do is submit to him and allow him to work through us. All we need to do is open our hearts to him to recognize who he is, to recognize what he's done for us. And um, he gives us ins- insight into where we're not in line with God. He shows us the parts of our lives that are not, you know, not yet in the kingdom of the light where we need to um, submit to him and repent and move on. And, you know, when this happens, there's a renewing of our mind. You know, when we, when we come to God and repent and, and we submit to him, you know, our mind is transformed. We start to see things the way that Jesus sees them. We no longer start to see things the way we used to see them. Um, and we become aligned with the kingdom of God. So, it's deep stuff, isn't it? <laughs> um, but through Jesus, God has established his kingdom of heaven on earth. And Jesus came into the world on rescue missions. We've seen it throughout the Bible. We've seen it in, um, throughout history. We've seen it in our own lives, in, the family, in our family's lives. Um, he's rescuing everyone who's under the influence of the leader of the world with all of its sin and disease and death. And he's bringing them into the kingdom of light. This is the greatness of what God has done for us. Amen? Amen. Um, so I've touched on these two kingdoms um, that we're living in in the tension of, I just wanted to unpack them a little bit for us. Um, as I've been doing some research, um, you'll see the, the kind of, the lists of kind of what comes under each kingdom, what I believe comes under each kingdom. 
Um, and you'll be able to see the, the kind of the tension as you see these lists, because you'll recognize things in your life that are still under the kingdom of darkness. You know, we're not living in that place of complete freedom from these things yet, but, but we know what we have access to through the kingdom of light. So we're going to see um, how even though we've been saved, we're still so susceptible to the rule of Satan and all that comes under him, but that we have that access to Jesus. So we've got the kingdom of the world, um, which is ruled by Satan, and it leads to eternal judgment. Um, it says in Revelations that Satan is the deceiver of the whole world, and that he's the sinner from the beginning. So we can see these nine things that we kind of are quite prevalent in the, the kingdom of darkness. We've got lies and deception, hatred, apathy and selfishness, despair, violence. It embraces sin. It's prideful. It's where authority and power are valued, and it's where there's brokenness. And I'm sure that we can, you know, sadly we can all recognize, you know, those things in our own lives as well, can't we? You know, we're not the finished article, um, but it's a continual battle against the enemy until Jesus comes again. But Jesus promises that we don't have to do it alone, that he's with us. So let's actively seek him and seek his kingdom and his righteousness let's look to him you know when we see these things in our lives and then we compare them to the kingdom of god and the kingdom of god which leads to eternal rest it's ruled by christ jesus who came to destroy the works of the devil he triumphs over satan and he actively delivers people from the kingdom of darkness he's constantly working against the enemy on our behalf to free us from the grips of sin and I'm reminded even now as I was preparing this last night um, of the importance of putting on the armor of God. You know, in Ephesians 6, um, goes through the whole armor of God. And, you know, this isn't a physical battle that we're, that we're facing. It's just totally a spiritual battle. And, you know, Jesus is fighting for us. We have to put on the armor to protect ourselves against all that the enemy tries to do. Um, as it says in Ephesians, you know, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and powers of this dark world. And he's given us um, the armor to put on. He's given us, you know, the means to be able to protect ourselves from that. So as we can see, the kingdom of God, these nine things, where Christ rules, there is truth, there is love, there is compassion and servant-heartedness, there is joy, there is peace. It's where sin is rejected. It's where there's humbleness. It's where justice and meekness are valued. And it's where there's wholeness. That's just amazing, isn't it, that we have access to all of this stuff. And did anyone notice any transaction when they were saved, you know, where, where there was once maybe lies, there was truth, maybe once where we could only hate, now we can love, where we were maybe selfish before, now we, you know, are able to be servant-hearted, and that's what Jesus has done for us. That's what he did when he came. And we now know that because Jesus came, we don't have to live in that place anymore. But Satan still tempts us, as I've said. He still uses our weaknesses. He lies to us and tries to bring us back into his kingdom. But we can hold fast because Jesus has the victory. We are called out of that brokenness into his wholeness. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are children of God. By his grace and with his spirit empowering us, we choose and are called to live in the light until heaven comes fully to earth and it's made complete. 
and we know that there's only one door to the kingdom of heaven, and that's through Jesus. And that's what he did when he came, and he's, he's here for, for us, he's here for everyone. We are rescued, but we are also called to rescue. You know, this isn't just about us celebrating what he's done for us. It's about, you know, looking out and seeing what, you know, who else needs rescuing, who else needs this. This is big stuff. <laughs> this is not a joke, is it? This is real life, and people need rescuing. And uh, we're surrounded by people who we know who are still living in the kingdom of darkness, who don't know the transformative and redemptive power of Jesus in their lives. And Jesus calls us to action. He calls his church to action. This is who he wants to use to reach the world. His His mission was to rescue us. And our mission is to partner with God to rescue others. We are called to be like Jesus, as it says in Ephesians. And as Jesus is the ultimate rescuer, we are also called to rescue. People are far off and they don't know Jesus. They don't know the hope that he brings, the hope that living in his kingdom brings. I want to go back to the story of the Chilean miners. Um, Bear with me as I just share a bit of this story. In 2010, 33 miners were trapped for 69 days, almost half a mile underground, and it was looking like an impossible situation. But there was a man called Greg Hall. I don't know if any of you heard of him. He was a Catholic deacon in Texas, and he worked for the drilling company that, um, that the miners were clients for. So he was part of the whole process, the part of the whole situation. And when he came onto the scene, the government had done all that they could do, and they were getting nowhere. They, were, they weren't managing to, to get down deep enough or to dig holes wide enough to be able to rescue these people. They'd managed to drill through to where the miners were, enough to send food, food and to communicate with them, but it wasn't going to be physically possible to widen the hole enough to be able to rescue the miners and pull them out of that place. So this guy, Greg Hall, he contacted the Chilean government and he said that he'd like to try and rescue them. So he gathered the best team and the best drills, but even still, the modelling showed that the drills they had could not, deep, di- could not dig deep enough or wide enough, so they were stuck. And Hall was praying... He was meditating on Psalm 63, where the spirit of the Lord that, that was with him was the same spirit that was with Moses and David in the desert. And he prayed these words, I'm going to do everything I can, Lord, but this is not my work, this is your work. And when the drills were only 100 feet away from the miners, everything stopped. The drill was 100% stuck. And Hall felt defeated, he thought, I can't do this. But then it hit him. I don't have to do this, he said. God's going to do this. He's going to carry it. And he prayed again. I've done everything I can, Lord. This is your work. You are going to have to send your angels. And then the miracle happened. And the drill moved and it kept moving until it reached the miners. And I just love that story because it doesn't speak of our physical efforts, does it? It speaks of us partnering with God to be able to bring these rescue missions, to be able to bring these miracles where situations that seem possible you know, friends or family that we've been praying for, or situations that seem impossible that we've been praying for 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 even years, you know, that we can't see how God can break through. He's telling us that it's not our, it's not our work, it's through him. You know, it's his work. Let's just partner with him to do it. You know, this guy didn't sit around doing nothing. He worked hard. He partnered with God to complete the rescue mission. And as I said, the church is God's rescue boat. And can we join the rescue mission? 
How can we partner with God and with the church to see the rescue mission extended? That's a big question, isn't it? I think we all, we're all doing parts of this. You know, we're all um, you know, inviting people. We're all serving at church. We're all you know, anxious to see, see the church grow, to see people saved. Um, but I just wanted to share three simple ways that we can possibly try and do this a bit more. Number one is share your rescue story. You know, our stories are so powerful because, you know, you can't, even if someone doesn't believe, doesn't have the same faith as us, they can't deny when we tell them our story, you know, otherwise they'd be calling us a liar. <laughs> um, so people can't argue with what God's doing in our lives. So share your story of rescue with someone. Just share what Jesus has done for you and the difference that he's made in your life. It can have a huge impact on someone. And as Rachel touched on earlier with Alpha coming up, we can pray um, pray for people and invite them to come along to an Alpha course or just to come along to church. Um, when Rod Crown was with us a few weeks ago, he encouraged us in that our job isn't, is just to invite people and the Holy Spirit does the rest. You know, we don't have to worry about, you know, what if they say no, what if, what if they don't want to come, what if they just don't get it. You know, all our job is to do is to, is to invite and to extend the arm of hope, to extend the invitation of hope to them and the Holy Spirit does the rest. So who is God calling us to rescue? Have we got people in our lives at the moment that, that he's put on our hearts, that you know, maybe conversations are starting to happen, maybe God's leading us um, into different conversations with them where we can extend this invitation of hope to them. And as I said, this is particularly important with Alpha coming up. Um, as Rachel said, let's really be intentional about praying for five people, at least five. Apparently the stats are that if you um, invite five, then at least one will come. And if each of us can bring one person to Alpha to, to learn about um, what being a Christian is all about, to learn about who Jesus is, and that would be awesome. Um, and the last thing um, is to give um, to the church as the church grows. Um, you know, here at Teesside Vineyard, we're passionate about building the church, reaching the community, and impacting the world. And we're always seeking to do things to improve um, how we run things at church and how, how we reach the community and how we improve this physical building that, we've, um, that God's blessed us with. Um, we also have staff members that work really hard to ensure that things are running smoothly and that needs are being met and that the community is reached with the love of Jesus. So we can give to, to God at church by serving on a team here, which I know many of us do, but we'd love everyone to have a role here. You know, this isn't just for the few, this is for, for everyone. We'd love everyone to serve um, in any way possible, whether it's, even if it's just through praying being part of the prayer team or um, serving with the kids or serving teas and coffees or just saying hello to people when they come in. You know, we'd love everyone to have a role. So if you don't have a role, please, um, please come and speak to myself or one of the leadership team. We'd love to see um, where you can serve at church. And finally, it's with our finances, um, which is always a tricky, <laughs> tricky subject. But, you know, God calls us to it. He calls us in Malachi. It says to bring all the tithes back to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. You know, he calls us to, to invest in the church, to invest in, in his kingdom. And this is one way that we can do that. It's the only place in the Bible where God invites us to test him. He says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you start to tithe that all your financial worries will be over. But God promises that he'll bless us abundantly if we're obedient to him and trust him with our finances. And it might not be a money thing, but it might be, you know, blessings in other ways. And 
you know, it's not about how much we give. It's just about our attitude and trust in Jesus in that. Whether it's 50 pence or five pounds or, or 50 pounds, God sees and he knows our hearts in this. So that's a lot of information. And I feel like I've just rambled on. But, um, but I do believe that God wants to do some stuff today. I do believe that, um, you know, he was speaking to me through, through some of this stuff. And as I said, he's in the rescuing business. Jesus is alive and active, and he's working in us right now. He doesn't want to leave us where we are. He has a full, joy-filled and hope-filled future for us that we can have access to right now. And I don't know whether God's been speaking to any of you or highlighting areas of your life that, that need that arm of Jesus to reach down to rescue. But I'd love um, to, for us to have a time of prayer now. Um, I don't know if um, Keith wants to come and play or and just have some... Did you want to share something? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Just as Joe was speaking there, um, one of the songs that was on our set, which we may do later, is um, who, who Am I? Who, who Do You Say I Am? And it reminded me of, of how Jesus said to Peter, he, he said, who is it that people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, the disciples said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus just says, what about you? Who do you say I am? And as, as Joe said, it's Jesus died on the cross to give us access to him and to become a child of God. And if we're here this morning not really sure about that and not in relationship, Maybe God's saying to you this morning through his rescue mission, what are you going to do about it? Who do you say that I am? Um, so I'd love to have a, have a time of prayer now. And as Keith said, the first kind of point of call, I suppose, is, is for those, like Keith said, who don't know Jesus, who don't know that they've been rescued, who don't know um, that rescue power that has that has reached out who don't know that hope for their future. Um, so if there's anyone who has felt that little that little tap on their heart, um, has felt Jesus kind of calling them or prompting them this morning, we'd love to pray with you. So in a moment, um, as the band are playing, we'll just if you want to respond to Jesus this morning, I'd love you to raise your hands in the air and, and one of our prayer ministry team will come and pray with you. And the second call this morning is for those who, who would really appreciate some prayer for something specific in their lives, where they know it hasn't, might not yet have come under God's rule and reign. There might be people who feel trapped in a situation or in a habit that they don't seem to be able to get away from. 
And it might be that, that something that we're struggling with has come under that, that list of things in the kingdom of darkness that Jesus wants to free you from this morning. So if there's anything that you, you feel you'd like some freedom from, that you know you need Jesus to rescue you from, or if you just need prayer for a specific situation that feels impossible, that needs that rescue of Jesus, then we'd love to pray with you this morning. If that's you this morning, would you like to come to the front and our, our team will pray with you and we'll see what God does this morning. Let's just rest in his presence and just see what God does. As the band continue to pray, uh, to play, just rest in that presence and let Jesus minister to you. And please, if there's anything that you'd like some prayer for, please come and grab myself or Teresa. And we'd love to pray with you.